When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. No music, no intro. We're, we're back in it. Hashtag Saints Twitter podcast. Um, I, can't, I can't lie. Uh, my excitement for, for this episode is pretty, pretty through the roof. Um, with the guests that we were able to get on to come in gracious and spend some time with us and talk some Saints football on this podcast. Um, as always, joined by Ryan. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at that boy Wolf. Um, and we got we got a, we got a big one, guys. We got a we got a big one. Joining us on the podcast is the one and only Greg Cosell. Um, if you're a football head like we are, I'm pretty sure at some point you either have heard Greg on the Ross Tucker podcast. He does the NFL matchup on ESPN, um, a true football nerd at heart, just like all of us are. Uh, and you can also follow Greg on Twitter at Greg Cosell. Greg, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Hey, Adam, it's great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. I look forward to it. Awesome. So we're going to get right into it. Um, well, before we do that, I just want to kind of check in with you and see how you're doing, how your family's doing with everything going on, making sure everything's good on your, on, on your end. Well, fortunately, everything with my family is good. Everybody's healthy. Uh, haven't been out of my house a whole lot in about six or seven weeks. But other than that, uh, <laughs> everything's good. <laughs> Good to hear it. Um, good that you're staying safe, you're staying well, and all, and all of that. Um, so we we have a lot we, we we have a could talk about a lot regarding the Saints. The draft just ended. They just signed Jameis Winston recently. Um, so we, we're gonna kind of have a combination of talking about the draft and just overall topics regarding the Saints. Um, so I'll kind of start off in in saying that there was a lot of debate, in from, and there's still a debate on if the Saints needed to add a third wide receiver in the draft. Um, and there's like this notion that the Saints were okay with passing on the third wide receiver because there's not enough balls to go around is, is kind of what the, the mindset is. Um, I've seen various teams like the Broncos go that, that three receiver route with Sutton, with KJ Hamler, with Judy. Um, you have the Bengals with Boyd, AJ Green, um, T. Higgins, do you feel like in terms with the Saints passing on, on adding a third wide right receiver, how could you like envision Sean Payton attacking defenses offensively through the air um, offensively with how the team is currently set up? Well, first of all, they do have a third wide receiver. It's not as if they don't have one. Um, and I think what Sean Payton does is he's very personnel based. He's very formation based. So you're going to see a lot of 12 personnel. Uh, Jared Cook is still there. He still, as we saw last 
last year. Adds a vertical dimension. He can run the vertical seam, and that's a throw that Drew Brees has always made exceedingly well. They obviously drafted Adam Troutman in the third round. A third-round pick is a meaningful pick, and Troutman is a big, athletic kid. He was a quarterback in high school, so I know he played a lower level of college football, but he's a big, athletic kid. Um, at wide receiver, I thought they made a great move in adding Emmanuel Sanders. He's still really, really productive, and I think stylistically he fits their offense because they're not really a vertical passing team. They're much more of a timing-based team with Drew, and Sanders is really good running a lot of those quick in-breaking type routes, very good run after catch. And they'll, they'll Traquan Smith is still there. He was a third-round pick two years ago. They'll get a third-wide receiver out of the group that they have, and they will line up in 11 personnel at times. And then you still have the Taysom Hill factor. And, I, and again, Taysom Hill, they just signed him. We know he's not the quarterback, so that means more than likely he plays more snaps. There were games in the second half of last season in which he played 28, 30, 32 snaps. So you have to factor him into this equation, and I'm sure that's the reason they were not motivated highly to draft a wide receiver. I'm sure if there was one sitting there that they absolutely loved, they would have done that. That's what teams do. But if there wasn't one there when they drafted, and they did not have a lot of draft picks, obviously, they ch chose not to draft a wide receiver. Yeah, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, a lot a lot was made about them not getting a receiver. I mean, you know how fans are, and I'm, <laughs> including, my, I'm including myself in this. You, know, right, we, right. you really want that shiny new toy on Christmas night, but, you know, sometimes you get the comfortable, the comfortable sweater, you know, and that's fine. And speaking of comfortable sweater, they selected Cesar Ruiz uh, in the first round. Uh, what what was your outlook on him as a prospect? Uh, would you study the draft? I don't, I know you try to look at most most high end prospects. You know, obviously you can't look at everyone. What was your outlook on him as a player? I really liked him on tape. I mean, I, I thought that he was a really good prospect. I know that. Um, I assume that he plays guard because of McCoy, who played center as a rookie last year and was very good. Um, but Ruiz can play guard. Um, he's There was nothing really not to like. I thought he stood out on tape. He has the desired combination of outstanding athleticism. He's got really good movement. He has good technique, hand usage. He's competitive. He's tenacious. Um, you know, one thing I look for, and obviously played center this year in Michigan, is one thing I look for is what we call snap-to-step quickness. And, and you can see it with him both in the run game and in pass protection. For a guy who's 6'2", just under 6'3", really, but over 300 pounds, he has really quick, light, athletic feet. I thought he was really quick into his pass sets. And don't forget, this is a pass offense that is much more quick game than deep drop. The deep drops come when they try to create shot plays. And those plays usually involve um, seven in man protection. And also keep in mind the Saints for the last couple. do that I think that's part of what Sean Payton does I bet and I don't have the numbers right in front of me now I'm, I'm sitting in my house I'm not in my office at NFL Films where I've got a zillion sheets um, but I think they're they were top three in terms of percentage of snaps with six offensive linemen and so they do that as well so Ruiz is 
you know, he's one of those picks that does not get people excited because he's not sexy, as you guys know. But it's just one of those really good picks. It's like McCoy. McCoy was not a first-round pick last year. I guess he was – is he a second-round pick? Yes. I think so. Yes. Yeah. But, I mean, so now you fortified an offensive line in the interior in each of the last two years with two guys who more than likely are going to be 10-year pros and probably are going to be all pros. And it's really tough to argue with that. Yeah, you could you could make an argument kind of across the board with Armstead, maybe depending on how someone feels about Pete, McCoy, Ruiz, and Ryan Ramchek that the Saints, in theory, has a top off like a top three offensive line in the entire league. They do, and and you know they obviously still have Kamara. They still have Latavius Murray. You know, Kamara is a fascinating player because he's not a feature back in the sense that you're going to give him the ball 280 times, but we know what he is. We don't need to discuss him. You know, and Murray is one of those guys that, again, he's not an every week guy, but there are certain weeks in which you, he might get the ball 18 or 19 times, depending on the flow of the game. And he can do that in a given week. So really, when you look at their entire offensive roster, it's pretty darn good. Um, so I think the receiver thing, and I know that Ryan said that it's a fan thing, but you know, I don't think they looked at receiver, wide receiver, that is, as a position that they had to draft or else they just can't do what they want to do. I think they feel pretty comfortable with what they had. And as I said a moment ago, you can't disregard the signing of Taysom Hill. He will play a lot more receiver this year. Mm. Um, kind of switching over to the other side of the ball, uh, they were able to – trade up in the in the third round and, and draft Zach Bond, a player that the Saints absolutely love. Um, I started watching a, some of Bond when they were kind of like seeing mock drafts and seeing him potentially slide it to the Saints at 24. And I, when I watched him as a player, I saw, I saw a good player, but I didn't see – I felt like prospect-wise, like I was missing something when I was watching him. And now there's potentially talks of him transitioning to either weak side linebacker or middle linebacker in the defense. Um, what are your thoughts of him as a player potentially make, being able to make that transition or even as, as an edge pressure player of what he brings to the defense? Well, let's keep a couple of things in mind. The Saints last year played out of a sub defense, meaning they had five or six defensive backs on the field on almost 80% of their snaps. Keep that in mind. Now, you know, that number could change, but it won't change dramatically. Obviously, it'll depend on the schedule. Uh, which I guess comes out tonight. And let's assume we play all 16 games. So it'll depend on the schedule. But if it's close to 80%, so even if they lower it a little, so what, it'll be 75%. That's the bottom line. They're going to play sub eight times. I think Zach Bond is a great sub player. Number one, he's a really good pass rusher. One of the best pass rushers in this draft class. The issue with Bond and the reason he probably fell to the third round is he's one of those guys that probably a lot of teams were uncertain as to what he is because he's only 238 pounds at the combine. So even though teams play predominantly out of sub, you do have to think to yourself, where is he playing in my base? Because that's how teams start when they practice. They, they put players in their base. And at 238 pounds, you may not see him as an outside linebacker in a 3-4. He's certainly not a 4-3 defensive end. So where do you play him in his base? And in fact, in my transition, I'm sure you guys have seen when I tweet out my evaluations of players, I have a, a transition yes. section. And I, I said about 
Bond, will some see a move to stack linebacker given his high-level athletic traits and play speed and range? He's a really good player with strong athletic traits and high-level recognition and reaction instincts. He will find a place based on the defensive coordinator and the scheme likely with a base 3-4 team that features multiple fronts. Now, the Saints are not necessarily that team, although they play a lot of multiple fronts. A lot of teams do now. But he's a sub-player. You can move him around and he'll rush the quarterback. And when you add him to the player, I think was the best three down linebacker in the league last year in Demario Davis. And I, I said that during the season after about 10, 11 weeks. Um, I th- and, and I assume Anzalone comes back from injury, right? He's, he's, he yeah. should be back. Um, he's, another, he's another really good sub player. You know, unfortunately, he gets hurt a lot, but he's a really athletic sub player. Um, they're pretty intriguing in their sub defense. You know, you add in Chancey Gardner-Johnson, who played about four or five different positions for them. You know, and I spoke to Dennis Allen about that at the Combine and his use of Gardner-Johnson. So they're, they're, I think they're trying to get players who fit today's NFL with the fact that they play subs so much, and that's not likely to change. Mm. And speaking of Dennis Allen, you said you talked to him at the Combine. I mean, what what's your overall view of Dennis Allen and – you know, his schematic approach to defense, you know, in the NFL. Obviously, everybody has their own flavor. Some people like to uh, kind of stay conservative and just line up and play. Some people like to, you know, be very multiple and blitz. I think Dennis Allen kind of leans more to that uh, that philosophy, and that's what Sean Payton pretty much likes in all his defensive coordinators. Right. He likes an attack-style defense. Uh, what, what's your kind of feel on Dennis Allen as a, as a defensive coach? I like Dennis Allen as a defensive coach. I think he does a lot of good things. I think he's pretty multiple. Look, defense, for the most part, you know, if you talk to coaches, it's all about rules. You can't account for every single thing an offense does because otherwise you overload your players. I remember years ago, and this was probably before your time, guys, because I'm a little older than you guys, but there was a defensive coordinator in the league named Rod Rust. He passed away about four or five years ago. He actually started his career in the late 60s coaching Joe Green at North Texas State. But he was a defensive coordinator in the NFL for years and years and years, and in college football as well. And one of the things he told me, and I've never forgotten it, and and I know Dennis believes in this because we've had this conversation, is you teach your defense certain things, you give them rules, and then you have to let them play. Because you can't say to a defense – well, if they line up in this, you do this. But then if they line up in this, you do this. But then if they line up in this, you do this. And then if they line up in this, you do this. You can't do that because you overload your, your players. So you have certain rules. And then your players have to react to what they see based on their rules. And I think Dennis is really, really good at that. Yeah, I remember speaking with him, talking about some of their blitz concepts because uh, uh, we were actually doing a piece in the matchup show and we wanted, I wanted to do a play where um, uh, they, I think it was a Dak Prescott sack from obviously not this year it was the year before. And, you know, I, I wanted to, the main reason I was talking to him about it is because I wanted to be right when we presented the piece. Cause for me, it's all about credibility and integrity. So I want to be right. And, you know, we, he got into this discussion about the rules and, you know, I love those kinds of discussions because then you learn. You know, you learn stuff, and then for me, you're always learning. Once you think you know, that's when you don't know. So you're always trying to learn. And uh, But I think Dennis does a really good job, and I think assuming health 
of, of these linebackers, he's going to have some interesting pieces to play around with, with Antoloni, Davis, Bond. Let's assume health for Marcus Davenport, who I think's you know, kind of evolving into a really good pass rusher. Um, we know about Cameron Jordan, a player I always loved. And I, I, again, another guy that just can't stay healthy, but Sheldon Rankins, I think is a really, really good player. And yeah. uh, they've, they've got a lot of good defensive players. They, they, they do. And it's kind of, as a Saints fan, it's, it's, this is, we're not used to having so much talent um, on the decent side of the ball. Um, you brought up this player briefly. Um, he, he easily became one of my favorite players as a rookie last year was uh, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Um, yep. he, he, started, he started playing the nickel um, quite, quite often, and then when Von Bell got injured, he kind of slid over to that, that strong yep. position, and he, I felt like in that position, he absolutely blossomed. Um, there was a heat-seeking missile all over the field. Um, Sean Payton seems really, and Dennis Allen has that vision for him being a nickel, a nickel player. What were your just impressions of of Garner Johnson as, as a rookie, and 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 how multiple he was able to be used all over the field? Well, I really liked him, and I really liked him coming out, and I think he he was a fourth round pick. And my my guess is, if he came out this year, he would have gotten drafted higher because now we have this sense you know, this new phrase, positionless players, and he kind of fits into that. And I think the league is moving toward that because of sub. I mean, I know they signed Malcolm Jenkins, so Gardner Johnson is not likely to, to play in the base because Marcus Williams is a true free. He's a true post safety. And Malcolm is, is another one of those guys that can play multiple positions. But in a base, he's, he's a strong safety. Uh, and, uh, you know, obviously he was in New Orleans prior. But um, so Gardner Johnson is going to play in sub, but boy, they've got a lot of players. I mean, even in sub, you know, you might see them in dime a lot with 60 Bs because they still have PJ Williams. If Patrick Robinson is healthy, he's been a good sub player for them when healthy. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, you know, he's been with a lot of teams now, so we'll see what happens there because he's, yeah. he, he's a specific kind of player. Yeah. My guess is if Swearinger were to make this roster and, and do really well, he would be a dime player and play that hybrid linebacker safety position where he's basically a box player. Um, mm. But, um, you know, they've got a lot of, of options in, in the secondary because obviously Lattimore and Jenkins will be the outside corners and that's pretty, that's pretty good too. So, you know, they've got a lot of people they can play around with. Now, it might not all happen right away because we don't have a true off season and they're not on the field. But, uh, you know, they've got a lot of pieces. They've got a lot of puzzle pieces to play with when they play in their sub-packages. Mm, that should be interesting. Um, uh, my, my, just, my final question, and, again, we appreciate you for coming on. Oh, no problem. Yeah, uh, Jameis Winston, you know, that, that was the big signing a couple of weeks ago, kind of shocked everyone. Uh, we, we had kind of heard chirps locally that, this might maybe could happen. And I kind of like the idea of bringing him in, uh, obviously a super talented quarterback, but with major flaws. Uh, what was your thought of him, the him coming to the Saints? And what, 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 what do you think he would look like in that Sean Payton offense? Well, I think it was a great move because Jameis Winston is, he's a fascinating guy to evaluate because he has high level talent. And we, we know about all the issues. We don't need to spend five minutes talking about the fact that he turns it over too much. 
I've always been a believer, though, with interceptions, you've got to watch each interception individually, which I did uh, with Jameis Winston. And, you know, obviously many were, were his fault and some were not. Um, but no matter what, you can't throw 30 interceptions, no matter what. You know, it's, it just can't happen. Um, but he also has a big arm. He can make every throw. He's got kind of a, an awkward mobility to him that he can make plays outside the pocket. I think coming to a, to a Sean Payton offense with Drew Brees as the quarterback, he will really learn. A, and I'm, this is no knock on previous coaches. I'm just speaking about Sean because I know Sean. He will learn detail, nuance, subtlety. He will learn how disciplined the craft of the quarterback position is because there's no one more disciplined and nuanced and subtle in his approach than Drew Brees. And Andrews had to be that guy because he's six feet and never had a power arm. Um, so I think this is a good, you know, and I'm sure Jameis isn't thrilled, but this is a good year to step back and really learn from two of the best at what they do in Sean Payton and Drew Brees. And who knows what happens after the season with Drew. Um, but, you know, the Saints are set up pretty well with Jameis. Now, did he sign a one-year deal? Yeah, yeah, it's just a one-year deal yeah. with like a $1.1 million base. <laughs> so I guess it all depends on Drew. I mean, if Drew decides to retire after this year and they really like what they see from Jameis, because I've, I've spoken with Jameis, and it, uh, it was maybe after his rookie or second season, and when you speak with him, you know, he's all football. He comes across exceedingly well. He comes across as a really smart guy who's all football. So again, I can't speak to what he is on a day-by-day basis. I'm not, you know, I wasn't in Tampa. I'm not there. But, you know, in brief conversation I had with him, I I came away being pretty impressed with just the way he saw the game, thought about the game. You know, I was fortunate because of what I do that I was able to, when I spoke with him, it was actually a a Super Bowl event a number of years ago. I was actually able to bring up specific plays just based on what I do. And I could see his face light up and and Mm. he started talking about the specific plays and he knew everything about them. And Mm. so... You know, I just think he needs to take like a mulligan for a year and kind of learn from two of the best. And I would expect him to be back as a starting quarterback at some point in this league, whether it's in New Orleans or somewhere else. Um, I'm going to this is my my last question. You you touched on the 12 personnel earlier. Yep. And there was a, a year where the Saints had Josh Hill, Ben Watson and Michael. Human and there Michael was a, H. Yeah, <laughs> there was a stretch of games where Sean Payton fell in love with thirteen personnel, and he can do that again. He's got Josh Hill still on the roster, and so for for us, Ryan and myself, we know what you know what those formations mean and what that means. But to maybe the listeners, could you explain what twelve personnel is and and, and schematically what a uh, offensive caller like Sean Payton can do in formations like that with 12 and 13 personnel and how that's very difficult for the defense to account for? Well, the first thing that happens, if you're going to line up in a normal down and distance situation, you know, first and 10, second and four, and you're going to line up with multiple tight ends, you're almost 100% certain that you're going to get base defense. Okay, whether it's a 3-4 team or a 4-3, you're going to get base defense, which means that there are four defensive backs on the field. 
And what Sean Payton is a master at, and what Jared Cook allows you to do, and even Josh Hill to a certain extent, they did it with Dan Arnold when he was there. Certainly Adam Troutman can do that, is he's so good at what we call receiver distribution and location. When he lines up with multiple tight ends, it doesn't mean that it's a tight formation unless we're on the ball. He could line up an empty out of 13 personnel, and now the defense is playing with their base. They don't have their their high-level athletes on the field, and now all of a sudden you're spread out. And when that happens, very often the defense will go to what is called a default defense, and you know this from film study. And 99% of the time, a default defense is a zone. So if you're playing a, a, a team and you know that their default defense is cover two or whatever it is, you go empty, you know you're getting cover two. So you have a play call that beats that. So it's a matter of making the defense predictable from a personnel standpoint and a coverage and pressure standpoint. And Sean is outstanding at being able to use multiple formation looks out of 12 and 13 personnel. I felt like I was in college for a second. That was... uh... That was some great stuff. That's why. Well, that's yeah. That's what happens. I mean, you see that a lot in the NFL. Teams are doing that a lot, going empty. You know, and and an empty requires usually quick game. You know, it's it's a quick three. It's a three step drop or a quick five step because obviously, you know, there could be pressure. But um, but look, Drew Brees, he doesn't throw a lot of balls over ten yards in the air anyway. Mm. From the line of scrimmage, I mean, yeah. Right. Right. Um. Well, yeah, I'm kind of with Ryan. I feel like I was taking notes and, and, and taking it well, all hopefully, in. Hopefully that was pretty clear. I, it, it certainly well, it sounded was. clear to me, but <laughs> no, it com- but I was saying it. completely made sense. Um, so that's all we, we had, Greg. I'm, sh- I'm pretty sure Ryan and I could talk to you about Saints football or just football in general all, all day. Um, well, but, you know what, guys? You could do it again. I mean, I'm, I'm, it looks like uh, – I know that the mayor, the governor of New Jersey, just said that we have 30 more days yesterday. So I'm going to be hanging out a lot. So uh, <laughs> feel free to reach out. Well, we definitely might take you up on that offer. Um, again, if, if you're listening to this podcast, I have a strong feeling you know who Greg Cosell is. But if not, you can also always check out his work um, on Twitter in terms of his player evaluations at Greg Cosell. He does the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. He does NFL matchup on ESPN where he's breaking down the game in such a fascinating way when you're a football head it all just ties in together it makes sense and it increases your football knowledge um thank you again so much for coming on Greg we greatly appreciate it continue to stay safe continue to stay well we really appreciate you taking the time for us you too guys stay safe and uh, thanks for having me it was great thanks Greg really appreciate it uh so so with that, we're going we're gonna to get out of here. You can follow Ryan on Twitter, at ThatBoyWolf. You can try to follow me on Twitter, but it'd be pointless. And with that, we're out. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.